Welcome to the Elevate Together podcast, voices of change in the business of law. Hello, this is Nicole Giantonio, the Chief Marketing Officer at Elevate. The podcast episode you're about to hear is part of our expert series featuring Elevate's CEO, Liam Brown, our general counsel, Steve Harmon, and the co-founders and partners in Elevate's law firm, Nicole Airback and Pat Lamb. All are participating in a discussion on Elevate's recent alternative business structure approval by the Arizona Supreme Court. This podcast episode is hosted by Crispin Passmore. Crispin has been a resource to Elevate, consulting on both our SRA, ABS license in the UK, and our ABS in Arizona. So Liam, if I can start with you, congratulations, Elevate's got an ABS in Arizona. Can you just say a little bit about what an ABS is and and why you wanted one? Thanks, Crispin. An ABS is an alternative business structure, and that's a company which includes non-lawyers who have an economic interest or decision-making authority in a firm that provides legal services. And the idea is that entrepreneurial lawyers and non-lawyers will ultimately improve access to justice and delivery of legal services through things like technology innovation, having access to capital, the ability to attract the best and brightest legal professionals, not only lawyers, to be a one-stop shop that provides legal and non-legal or integrated services. So what about customers? Were they demanding this from you, Liam? Yes, often and increasingly so. You know, Later in the podcast, my colleagues will talk a bit about how an ABS fits into the buying behavior of customers. I'll speak now just to the operational demand from customers. The way I describe this is imagine a chessboard of 64 squares. And we found ourselves in this situation where customers would ask us to perform work where the outcomes they were looking for required the capabilities that we had on 63 of those squares. It could have been our software, or it could have been our data scientists, it could have been our business consultants, or our understanding of their business, our global services, process expertise. So the point is, is that we would fill 63 of these squares. But if there was just even just one square that required the restricted practice of law, we'd politely decline and point them back to one of their law firms. When they spoke to their law firms and suggested they unbundle the work that required the law firm capabilities on that one square or those few squares and work with Elevate or their preferred law company for the the other 60 squares on the, the efficiency work, customers would be frustrated. They'd come back to us and say, look, you know, for something that we would pay Elevate $300,000 for, we end up paying our law firm a million dollars or working traditionally, we started to hear a bit of a drumbeat from customers, especially our biggest customers, saying, if you really want to help us, you need to solve this problem, Elevate, and offer the restricted practice of law as a seamless part of the solution. We started to hear this expectation of, if you really want to help us, please solve this problem. What really made us take the leap was when we started seeing customers start using the big four to do the kinds of work that we were saying no to. It's your first ABS in the US, but you've had one in England for some time. What have you learned from that? And and is this something that your customers were demanding? You're right. We have had an ABS in England and Wales for a couple of years that came through an acquisition that we made a few years ago. And I think that the biggest lesson was how much of the run the company legal work was actually not the restricted practice of law. And I think that it's one thing to have a hypothesis that 
less than half of the legal work that requires a licensed lawyer. But it's another thing completely when you have the ability, which we had through our ABS in England, it was another thing completely to actually have the ability to offer these end-to-end services and then discover empirically through actually doing the work that less than 20% of the work required a licensed lawyer. So that was a really big lesson to me of how much of legal work performed by licensed lawyers and law firms, how much of it was not really restricted practice and could actually be performed by other legal professionals. The other big lesson for me was the relative ease of working as a restricted entity. I worried that it would be bureaucratic or slow, burdensome to get SRA approvals, solicitor regulation authority approvals for things like authorized persons or capital investment. But I found the regulators to have been efficient, professional, helpful. They haven't slowed us down at all. I expect that much of that was due to our transparency and the way we conducted ourselves. Steve, you led the application. What was the process like? How tough was it to get? The application was not that difficult. I think it's a credit to the Arizona Supreme Court and the process that they went through. They consult with their counterparts in England. As a process, it really came down to producing an application that uh, clearly identified the, the key players and the economic interests so that those could be evaluated to confirm that they comported with the goals of the program. We were asked to give information about the purpose of of the ABS and the areas of practice we intended to go into. And then it was a series of back and forth discussions with uh, representatives from the Arizona Supreme Court who were incredibly helpful in helping us navigate the process. It took about three or four months. Much of that was a function of being early. I think it would be even quicker now for others that wanted to follow through that same process. Good to hear. And and as you say, well done to the court in Arizona. As general counsel, do you worry about the fact that you're now part of running a law firm? Does this change what customers expect of you in terms of professionalism or ethics? I really don't worry that much, which might be a interesting answer from a general (laughs) counsel who reputationally, we tend to worry about a lot of things. But I think the lack of concern or the lack of worry comes from number one, our own expectations of ourselves, the level of professionalism and ethics that we brought to the relationship with our customers hasn't changed because it's always been very high. We've always felt it was important to maintain the reputation of not only our our company, but all law companies to be careful in that space. And so we're very confident in the level of training and professionalism our employees bring to the conversation. And as Liam alluded to a minute ago, it really is a function of meeting unmet needs that didn't require the restricted practice of law. Thanks, Steve. That provision of services to customers is really what this is all about rather than the process. So perhaps turning to Nicole, what does the ABS allow you to do for your customers? We see this as a great development for customers because it gives them an additional choice in a legal marketplace that isn't always known for having so many choices. Anytime that there's an additional one, we find that to be a tremendous benefit. As Liam mentioned, most legal work, really the vast majority of legal work is a combination of needing some advice and counsel or some traditional practice of law. But the vast majority of the work that needs to be done can be done with lawyer oversight, but having non-licensed attorneys or professionals 
in the mix. That's where the combination of what a law company can offer, the technology, the operational expertise, the managed services so that work can be done at scale, but also having lawyers into the mix providing that in one place for customers is an incredible difference. Yeah, that sounds really client-focused and business-oriented, Nicole. Can you give me an example of how it would work for a customer, um, what it looks like to their GC or, or even to the GC's internal clients? Sure. Just like if they were going to a law firm alone or if they were coming to a law company alone, instead of having only lawyers in the mix when we are presenting what our solutions are and we are working with customers, we have both lawyers and other professionals who have expertise in the areas that they need all at the table so that together we can offer a solution, and then we can implement that solution seamlessly. The customer, they are not really interested in what's happening behind the scenes. They want to make sure that we understand what their goals are. They want to make sure that we are providing the services in an efficient and cost-effective way. And they also want to make sure that the outcomes are there. How the work is divided up behind the scenes is not something that we have found customers terribly interested in. For them, it's a seamless one-stop shop type of environment, one engagement or one contract, one invoice, simplifying the ability to get all of the services under one roof. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of GC and in-house lawyers and actually law firm partners nodding their heads as you say all that. So carrying on in that theme, in terms of parts, what sort of customers want Elevate to have lawyers practice law? Aren't they traditionally coming to you because they don't want lawyers? It's interesting, Crispin. It's hard to put customers into a single category. There's a journey that I think all customers are on and people are at different places along that journey. Some want the traditional law firm lawyer because that's what they're used to. Others, as Nicole and Liam have been talking about, see the the problems that they're dealing with as One's best solved using a combination of skills and talents, a multidisciplinary approach. And so the ability to meet the customer where they're at on that journey is really critical for us and something that now with this ABS, we're able to do seamlessly without any elaborate explanation. That flexibility, the choice that Nicole mentioned and the flexibility that's coming through in in this discussion, how do you go about pricing these sorts of services? Because I can't imagine you just want to offer your customers an hourly rate. Nicole and I have been railing against hourly rates. We're always looking for opportunities to use non-hourly billing. And I think customers more and more, although again, everybody's at a different place on their journey, are looking for the cost. What's the cost to me to solve this problem or to have this job done, to have this legal matter taken off my plate, addressed successfully, and the work completed? Elevates long history of doing work on that hourly basis, I think combined with Nicole's experience, pricing matters has really opened up a lot of doors for us to be able to offer a fixed fee or some other approach that lets the customer know cost instead of having to guess every month. Can you tell me a bit about the lawyers that you use? Do they want to work in a law firm or an alternative provider or do they want to work in both? What what are these lawyers like? Interestingly, the common denominator is that they see 
from the customer's perspective, the value of this multidisciplinary approach. And so the desire to be able to work with teammates who have skills outside the practice of law is something that's important to them. The ability to bring in technology to help apply technology to the solution is important. And the people who have the insight into that are the ones who I think most interested in being part of Elevate and Elevate Next. Nicole, if I can build on that with you, I'm, I'm getting the sense is more than just a law firm sitting alongside what Elevate is already renowned for. Can you say a bit about how you're integrating the two sides of this, the lawyer-led and, and the tech and process-led parts? How you get that collaboration with the whole workforce? Luckily, Elevate has always been good in being able to connect multiple aspects of the company. And we continue that. Our lawyers are now part of Elevate. We're integrated with the rest of the company. It's a virtual company. It's a global company. We're able to weave, if you will, the best of every skill set that we need for a customer's purpose. And we come together in order to get the job done. What about the particular cultural challenge of that? Professionals generally, some people might say lawyers particularly, see themselves apart. How do you break that down? How do you get a culture of one elevate? It comes from the top. So that's a hat tip to Liam and to Steve and to the people who always made it one elevate. It trickles down simply because As Pat was mentioning, the people who we attract and who we want to work with us, we vet very closely. If you are somebody who is happy in a traditional environment where ego drives things or the question that's asked at the front end is, what's in it for me? This is not going to be the right place. This is the place where the question is, what is right for the customer and how can we do this better? From the very beginning, when we are trying to attract people, retain people. It's those skill sets and that mindset that is important. When you start there and you already have people who are interested in doing something different, which this is, you eliminate a lot of the difficulty in trying to work together. We're able to attract the right people who can work perfectly in this environment. There's a clear vision of service. There's flexibility on how it's delivered. There's integration. There's getting the culture right, getting the pricing right. Steve, does the actual ABS license you've got allow you to properly integrate all of this lawyer and business? Do you get forced to keep them separate by the regulator? No, integration is key to what we're doing. I think as both Nicole and Pat have have very clearly articulated, the focus here is on customers and the ability to deliver customer needs and to delight them with the services that we provide. Even before the ABS license existed and we had those capabilities available to us, Elevate was comprised primarily of, of legal professionals, including lawyers who thought about this with a goal towards the customer outcomes that we've discussed today. Really, the ABS license gives us the explicit approval of the Arizona Supreme Court in this case, or the SRA in the UK, to continue the journey that we're on of focusing on delivery to customers. We anticipate that that attempt to integrate on on customer outcomes, as Liam alluded to at the beginning of our conversation, trickle down into the better access to justice, better processes that are available to support the entire continuum of 
customers in the legal space. Much of what Elevate does, nearly all of what Elevate does, is in support of corporate customers and, and law firms as we provide services to law firms as well. We all, I think, are cognizant of the fact that these improvements in the delivery of services apply just as well to individuals. I think a, a big part of the motivation for these structures is to take advantage of all of the talents, all of the resources that are available to routinize this work, to look at the best ways to deliver outcomes that are important and make those outcomes available across the entire customer spectrum, which is not limited to, to the corporate customers that Elevate focuses on right now. Absolutely compelling to me. Liam, if we look forward, how is Elevate going to lead its market proposition? Is it going to be a lawyer-led alternative provider or a process of the tech led business with lawyers or is it something else we describe ourselves as an expert led technology powered law company sometimes those experts are legal operations professionals or contracts professionals or compliance professionals often they're lawyers with a background as described earlier who were previously partners or senior lawyers at law firms or senior counsel from corporate law departments with uh, industry or domain expertise. Where it matters to customers, we're lawyer-led. Our teams are led by people like Pat and Nicole who have walked in the shoes of our customers and who can offer relevant advice. Our core business is solving these run-the-company legal problems, which while they may require lawyer-expert-led solutions, they often also require technology and process-related services to be able to deliver these solutions at scale, at speed, and digitally. I think that sort of focus on the core of it, the run the company being expert-led, tech-powered law company, just catches it to me in that multidisciplinary nature of solving what are multidisciplinary problems for clients rather than just seeing it through the lens of one profession is very important. But lawyers are important. Open question to the three lawyers on this discussion. Your attorneys have some standing and experience. What do you say to California, New York, Florida, Texas, to all the states that don't allow Elevate to have an ABS? What do you say to them? I'll jump in. We acknowledge that this is a, a transformation that is, like many transformations, starts slowly and builds over time. I applaud all of the work done in California, New York, Florida, Texas, Illinois, all the states that are watching the outcomes of the Arizona effort and examining the long-term effects of the SRA-led effort. I believe they will get there. I don't think it's an imperative that they get there. We are confident that we can support our customers with our current structure. But when those states come along, I think they will find that it's well received by both the, the law providers, the law companies, the law firms themselves. I, I don't view this as a competitive challenge. ABS law firms work with more traditional law firms because the types of work, the clients that we support overlap and we are self-referential. We help each other through this process. I would summarize by saying I applaud the efforts of everyone to continue to expand their thinking about the best way to, to meet customer needs and we'll all get there together. I'll keep doing my bit working with several of those states to keep them tracking forward. Liam, I haven't heard that discussion. I've just got to ask you the really important question. Does this bring you into direct competition with traditional law firms? Are you just marching onto their territory? You know, look, half of Elevate's business is with law firms. The other half is with global law departments. We spoke to our customers before we did this. We consulted with our law firm customers. They didn't 
see this as competitive. Elevate's core business is this business of law work, run the company problems that law departments and law firms have. And I think that law firms, especially the leadership, not every partner in, in every law firm will agree with this. I'm sure that some see the, the rise of I'll call them alternative providers as competitive in some way. But you know, when you actually ask law firm partners and law firm leaders to describe the core of their business, they talk about the advice that they provide, the advice of law business, which continues to be a growing business. I think law firm leaders, law firm partners realize that in their core business of advice of law, they're competing with other law firms. That competition is intense. The slightly more interesting new competitor question for them is they are now competing with the big four who increasingly provide legal services that compete directly with law firms for advisory work. The law firms that work with Elevate are trying to weave in and bring together the advice of law work that they lead with or capabilities that they lead with, with our business of law expertise and offering in order to better compete with the big four. I think that's interesting because I've read quite a lot about the structure of the legal market and there's two challenges that seem to mirror each other. The challenge for law firms delivering the sort of technology process, predictable pricing that Elevate is famed for. And the other is the challenge for law companies to build scale and get confidence with GCs that perhaps comes from having more lawyers. How what you've just been talking about, how you work with law firms, how does all of this play out? For the future, Liam. Starting about, I'd say about a decade ago, maybe a little bit longer, a number of innovative law firm leaders started to make investments in building service centers. There was quite a flurry of press releases to let clients know that the firms offered an efficiency alternative to their expert services. So when I use the term ALSP, I'm referring to these alternative structures that law firms have rather than law companies like Elevate, who in my view are now mainstream. Those investments had quite a quick positive impact on profits by reducing costs. They had an initial pop for law firm profits. But after that, law firms have realized that having their own service center and their own technology requires management, investment, attention. And when the economy slows, law firms will think hard about sustaining those investments. And we've already seen some law firms exit or shutter their ALSPs. I believe that law firms are going to focus on competing with other law firms and the big four for their core advice of law business and won't build businesses to compete for the run the company business of law market that Elevate addresses. The rise of legal operations inside law departments has had an impact. And GC and legal ops CFOs, they're going to look to do more, go deeper, adding value to the enterprise. And that's going to require understanding their business, understanding the data, their data architecture, implementing technology that works, project management, change management. But it's also going to require domain expert lawyers. Customers are used to buying from lawyers just like them. We think that this segment has been underserved and developing or adding our ABS capability will open it up further because it will simply make it easier for customers to do business with Elevate. That's a great way to finish, Liam. It's been a really good conversation. Is there anything else you want to pick up on the discussion about Elevate's ABS that we haven't picked up so far? The elephant in the room question is, I don't think that you'll see Elevate launching 
what people will consider to be traditional law firm practices. I think instead what you'll see is elevate up our game for the services that we currently offer, bringing more lawyer expertise into the room, which, as I touched on, we think just makes it easier for customers to do business with us. Fascinating conversation. I, I think it's sometimes hard to see that change is happening right under our feet. It happens gradually and then suddenly, bang, we're aware of it. And I suspect that the emergence of ABS in the US, this important step by Elevate, this multidisciplinary delivery of efficient legal services in its full breadth, is with hindsight going to be seen as one of those important moments that accelerates change. Yeah, that's great for customers, it's great for lawyers, and it's great for those that innovate. So well done to you, Liam, to the team, to Elevate, and thank you to all of you for your time today. Crispin, I'd also like to thank you for your help and the guidance that you've offered Elevate and me over the last few years, first with our ABS in England and Wales, and most recently with our ABS in Arizona. So thank you. Thank you very much. Tune in to the next episode of the Elevate Together podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and elevateservices.com. Thank you.